Yeah, so as far back as I can remember, I would play a myriad of games mm-hmm. around, like, house, whether it was, like, Barbies or playing with friends. Yeah. Or in class, I'd play with my, like, pencils or my crayons <laughs> and, like, the red crayon or married the blue crayon and oh then the broken gosh. pieces are like the little babies <laughs> <laughs> and i have no idea where i picked this up but there was this uh, yeah. timeline mm-hmm. of like 23 years old you get married 25 yeah. you start having all your kids mm-hmm. and life is bliss yeah <laughs> and yeah the dream i, I mean it, it feels like it can become the plan Right. Right. As you think about your life, like of course you go to high school, uh-huh. then you go to college, and then your family comes. And how'd it work out? Well, it didn't happen that way. <laughs> yeah. Well, hey everyone, I'm Matt. And I'm Candace. And this is Datology. A voice for Christian metropolitan dating, where we collect honest stories to find liberating wisdom for discovery and companionship. And we're going to graciously be your host today, and we are going to get to talk all about the dream of marriage. All right? So, Candace, I think there's, uh, in your story, I can super relate to, first of all. Like, uh, I, I don't know if it's, like, talked about from the guy's perspective as much. It, you know, it's not like the... Uh, I feel like Disney really caters to like the princess girl mm. who wants to be like the uh, uh, wants her charming man mm. to come or whatever, right? And and I think from my perspective, just like growing up, there was this big, huge dream I had around like getting married, having kids. Like I, you know, four year old little Matt. I, my mom tells me these stories about me, and where I was just like, like one day when I'm a dad and I've got kids Aww. and all that sort of thing, right? And uh, and so that's just like deep in there, and um, and it, did you play that like with your sisters or friends? Did oh you ever man. act that out? You know what? I I think I remember when I was really little. Probably one of my like first crushes was this girl who would come, uh, like who was like a friend of my mom's, like or whatever. She was like daughter of my mom's friend, and she would come and. Uh, uh, it would just be me and this little girl. I think it was almost like little uh, training in like how do like little boys and little girls interact and play with each other. Uh-huh. I think I was like pure boy at the time. I just didn't want to have anything to do with girls. But like if there's one girl around to play with, like then I guess I'll play with this girl, right? But all of the games that we played, it was so funny. Like were uh, I would always be a shark, <laughs> and she would always be um, like up on the bed like on the boat right and this sounds so ridiculous to recount i haven't thought about this in years <laughs> this is so funny i'm curious where this is going well basically it was uh always like me being the shark trying to get her to come into the water and uh and but there was like this this subtext of romance How going on in the story oh, oh man creepy oh, but i'm like I'm imagining you're really little i'm like you know three, four years yeah. old, five years old, maybe, right? Like, is she going like, to, become a mermaid in the water and you're going to have, like, a... Honestly, I can't remember those, that level of low. detail. <laughs> <laughs> All I know is that I was a freaking shark because sharks were the best animal. <laughs> How does this loop back around to, like, your heart for being... Well, I think that that's where, like, the earliest, uh, like, steps of... Um, realizing how much I wanted to be connected to, mm. like... A woman were just formed, right? Like, mm, and that was your pursuit. <laughs> yeah, totally, totally. 
the mutual pursuit <laughs> of the shark and the lady on the boat. <laughs> so, <laughs> so <laughs> anyways, I'm like, uh, this is where the problem uh, starts. Oh man, yeah, for oh. reals. Because boys are always playing the sharks. <laughs> but anyways, so I think, but but seriously, like I I remember, uh, yeah, like um, all of these times, just thinking like, oh yeah, eventually I'm gonna be a dad, I'm gonna be a husband, and mm-hmm. like, and I remember like as old as probably like 20 or something, having not as much clarity on like what I want to do for a career or yeah. anything, but like feeling a lot of solidness of like I want to be a husband and a dad, mm. right? Like. Like, that feels very, very, yeah. like, true or, like, accurate, you know? And um, and I think there's a lot of things that are uh, pretty vulnerable about, like, maintaining the mm. dream, right? Like, actually being willing to have the dream because, um, I mean, there's a level of resilience necessary to be willing to stay hopeful for what it is that well, as you we're wanting, right? Pass those timelines. Sure, yeah. What's interesting that comes to my mind hmm. as you're talking about it um, is also this piece of growing up in the church hmm. that was like Christianity. I, the Christianity that I got was like marriage is part of it. Mm-hmm. And yeah. I think there's like, there was never context for singleness. Mm. And. Um, I feel like that was just a way of like being sanctified. Like, oh, as you are sanctified, God brings you a spouse, and uh, yeah. and then you're married and you're like fully Christian, and that's like totally, a big totally. part of your purpose. And you know what's really interesting to me is like nobody ever told me that, mm. right? It's not like anybody, any pastor at any church ever was just like, and eventually like. <laughs> The way that you move on to the next phase in the Christian life is you get married, <laughs> right? Like nobody ever says that, mm. and yet it's uh, it's like the unsaid but communicated. Of, well, like all uh, of leadership is, and then like mm-hmm. the deacon roles, like how, what are the roles that have to be married? Yeah, in like certain church contexts. Sure. Yeah, there's some some uh, passages in the scripture about elders and deacons that sure. reference uh, marriage to one woman or something like that right so uh not that it, i think that well i mean we could go we into more detail about that, but, that but yeah but just like kind of finding the pieces along the way of how as kids mm-hmm. you grow up and then part of that's just western culture too like you're um like the idea of disney movies and yeah all of this romance and the climax of the movie is always, and they fall in love. <laughs> totally. Right? Like that was the climax of life, and then you fall in love. <laughs> fall in love and live happily ever after, right? right? And um, I think there's a lot of things that are sculpting the imagination of kids when it comes to uh, love, romance, marriage, and, and because of that, uh, I think dating to some degree too, mm. right? So... Uh, I think it's important to inventory those things like within the church and also sources outside of the church and outside of like scripture, right. That are informing this dream that we have for marriage. As you're talking about that, like the visual that I get is like this map for our lives. And the first step to any kind of healing or growth is figuring out where I am on the map. Mm. And so part of that is like, you just said like taking the inventory, like, where did I come up with a belief that I have today? 
Yes. Before you can form any new belief system, mm-hmm. it's it's really collecting that history of where did I how did I get here, and then being yeah. able to see like is that something I buy into? Do I buy into? Yes. You know the Little Mermaid. Do I buy into <laughs> Cinderella or Peter Pan to, or whatever? Like, yeah. When I had crushes, as young as I can remember, would like ask like, "Oh, do you think he's like husband material?" Oh I goodness. mean, yeah. I feel like that was bred in me as little as I remember. It's right. like I never had this real category of men as friends or boys as friends. It yeah. was always like huh. the searching for the partner. Yeah. Yeah. You know, that's really interesting to me. And and I, I would love to learn more. So, like, as as a like little girl growing up, um, you know, in your family, it sounds like there was a high value on, like, you know, being attentive to the boys around you or mm-hmm. whatever. And that was, like, in some ways sort of trained, right? Mm-hmm. Like, cultivated, you know? I could not have asked for it. Yeah, yeah. And I think there's, um, I think, taking the inventory of our upbringing and our family systems and whatever, and also the different cultural influences that are shaping uh, our understanding of romance and the dream of what connection with a significant other or Mm. spouse can look like. I think that's really key because if it's not kind of cataloged or understood in in a way, then it's going to like keep popping up in really surprising ways. And it can't be, it can't be analyzed unless you can like well define it. If I could say uh-huh. like, oh, these movies contributed, this church culture <laughs> contributed, my yeah. mom, you know, reacting to boys the way she did contributed. Yeah. And then I could sit and say like, oh gosh, that's a real myopic view. Totally. Of this whole other like gender in our yeah. human species. Oh yeah. And forgetting like what other context. Do men get to play in my life as mentors, as brothers, yeah. as friends, mm. coworkers? And- yes, yes. Uh, I think this is interesting. And, and now to kind of like flip it to like inventorying myself, you know, oh, like kind of guys. These. So I think there's a few things that come to mind about like growing up as like a Christian little boy, young man into manhood, right? Like it uh, and how it pertains to relationships um i think in the church there was a degree of uh um the unsaid but communicated around uh you know you got to be like a a solid provider you got to be like um you know like super super duper steady you also have to like be a little less feeling of a person you know Um. like kind of dampen some emotions right Mm. and i'm not saying that actually that's not just necessarily just the church i think it's also a little bit like america as a whole but um and and so there's these like gendered expectations right for men Mm. that uh have to do with these things and then it goes into an interesting level where and now how do how am i supposed to perceive the opposite sex right so uh you know, I'm really grateful for those like play dates where you know I was like playing with the little girl and like learning how to interact with the woman. I'm I'm also really grateful that I have two older sisters, right? right? Like, so I've I've had a lot of experience like being around women, whatever, right? Like, so I think uh, that that did a lot to form me uh, in a way where like I you know my my sisters are like phenomenal human beings yeah. and uh, very strong people and. You know, like all these things. So, uh, I think I learned how to play well with them, get along with them, 
yeah. connect with them in, in a good way. Can yeah, I huh. tell you how I'm feeling right now? Yeah, yeah. As I was listening to your story, I wanted to take my pad of paper and throw it across the room. Not <laughs> at you, yeah. but our society. We're... Uh, I mean, maybe this is like my role on our podcast is yeah. I get so like worked up when we like yeah. look at these things and huh. see them more clearly is we're so intelligent. And yet what we do is like, okay, so women, we're going to like ramp up your romantic side and your like need for men and your emotions. Mm-hmm. And then men, we're going to like treat you how to like not use your emotions yeah. on this like very overgeneralized way but you yes. see it play out in movies and the way that like for we sure. talk and toys yeah. that are marketed to different yeah. genders um and it's not equipping us oh, man. well to get to that point of yeah connecting connection. really well yeah yes and uh. that's like the place i think you and i like again going back to this map visual is yeah. if the goal of the map is like, how do we get to the good news? Like, where's yeah. the road on the map of yeah. no longer following the stream of like dysfunction, but getting to like grace and how God created us? Oh, for sure. Well, I think, I think we can get to the good news, and I think our way to find it is to hear some of the bad news. Yes, uh. I think that will like, uh, you know, this is the way things work in the scripture. I believe is like, the the good news of grace is good news because of like the hard sad bad news mm. of sin brokenness and lies right so, uh, so i love that because yeah. right now as we're recording it's holy week yeah and it's something i've been reflecting on a mm-hmm. lot is the humility in i will always make mistakes yes. i will always be a sinner Abs- yes. always always we and don't graduate from that right yeah <laughs> right even though of course i'm gonna do my best to like bear fruit and love god and be honoring yeah. There is that humility and beauty to the fact of like, mm-hmm. yeah, we make mistakes. Yes, and we're gonna make mistakes. And as it pertains to like this topic with like the dream, like there's some some mistakes that we've we've just caught, you know, like uh, that aren't necessarily choices, but like they're just- Like an infection? So, yeah, yeah, like <laughs> an infection. We've been infected, you know, and I'll go on to say like, oh. as a man, some of, some of what I've been infected with is like the hypersexualization of women, mm. right? So uh, this like treating women as objects and that mm. kind of thing, right? And Lord help me, like I've, I've lived that out. I've mm. really lived that out. And it's uh, painful to, mm. to see that and feel that and know that that's happened. Mm. And it's like, and, and it's just tough to um, have been infected with that and also to have chosen it repeatedly, yeah. right? And uh, and so it puts things in view with this like dream and like what's going on in the dream uh, as it pertains to marriage and romance and stuff. A lot, a lot of like the dream for me has a uh, uh, sadly, and I've had to inventory this stuff. It has to do with sexual connection, and which mm. isn't all in all like a, a horrible thing or anything. But uh, you know, probably the degree to which it is emphasized in. Yeah. Uh, in my imagination is probably like relatively high Mm. um as a man relative to the average woman you know maybe that's a total generalization i don't actually know but but i appreciate what you're saying there and to again generalize but just speak for myself from my female perspective is i've objectified men in making them a savior huh and in all of these stories, like in Disney, is right, the man right. comes and he rescues. Yeah. 
And in my own family story, that's something that was mm. very much ingrained is mm-hmm. the man will come and he will rescue you. Mm. Wow. Wow. And, uh, yeah, and I, I think that puts, man, that, that. You're having an emotional reaction. Uh, yeah, yeah. I'm appreciating yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. I think it, there's, um, well, one of the things that you and I discussed, like, before, you know, off offline from the show is that um, just how much the dream can become an idol, mm. right? Um, and I think what you're describing right there and what I was describing with sexual connection, like, that uh, that can really easily become the idol uh, mm. of, and so it becomes about that thing, right. right? So connection with a woman or connection with a man like becomes about that thing, where um, as you were just describing, like uh, this person will come and save me, like this man will come and will save me, right? Like that that's the sure. the story you inherited, sure. and um, and what I don't like about that story, and I like is the lie of that story is that uh there's only one person who can save you yes and and that is like christ on the cross right right? like absolutely there was a time that my mom sent me and my sisters this like poem thing that she wrote and it was about like how one day we'll find this man who's gonna come and like take care of us and like kind of save us like she found my dad Mm -hmm. and my response to it was like oh that's jesus (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> You're talking about Jesus. Yeah. She wasn't. She was talking about like our future husbands. Huh. But what yes. you're saying is right on. Right. Right. And so I think that's, this feels like a very, very good like context for mm. all of this. So like as much as you're seeing the potential idolatry in the dream that is like a man will save me from singleness from like, or something, right? right? Well, that's then, the question. Like, yes. From what do I need to be yeah, saved Yeah, from what do I need to save from? <laughs> that's that's a question, yes. And then for me, like this, oh, like the fulfillment's going to come through sex and uh, and like that will be the thing that like sets my life up for bliss, right? And, uh, oh, gosh. And that's and like... And then a- we date each other. <laughs> <laughs> and guys are trying to like... Yeah. have some kind of sexual gratification and girls yeah. are like, how are you going to save my day and my week? <laughs> oh, know? man. Fulfill my unmet it's, a, it's ships passing in the night at that point. Like, just the... Um, and I think it's kind of surprising the lack of communication that goes mm. on about these things in um, in relationships. And uh, which is only natural because I think these are tender parts of us, yeah. right? Like, and in some cases, rather shameful parts of us that we don't necessarily want to... Uh, put forward uh, on early dates because there's vulnerability in this and rawness mm-hmm. in uh, here's what my dream has been informed by, right? Mm. And that is part of what is pulling me into the discovery of a date with a random, whatever yeah. person, right? Which so, is beautiful because when you bring anything into the light, mm-hmm. then it no longer has the power. Mm-hmm. But the longer we're like, oh, I'm not going to talk about this, the more I'm going to actually get. <laughs> So the more secretive mm. and isolated I am in these dysfunctions, yeah. the more core they become mm-hmm. into the way that I behave and think. Oh, man. It's like yes. a paradox. Yeah. Be honest and open so that these things no longer define oh, you. Oh, gosh, yes. yes. And so we have these two mm. sides of mm. the, the real dreams and hopes of connection, intimacy, yes. sexual gratification. Yeah life with another person. Yes. 
And then the reality of the now and redeeming the singleness. Like, yes, I want to talk more about singleness. Okay, great. In the church, the few times that I've heard from the pulpit, any pastor, preacher, minister, priest say something that like reminds us that Christ was single. Mm hmm. And that we can be fully human yeah. and fully used and fully purposeful in our singleness. It has, like, touched a part of me that I'm oh. like, oh, like, oh, really? I needed to hear yeah. that. I haven't heard that before. Uh, and maybe objectively you're like, oh, yeah, I might know that. But when you hear it and it hits you yes. there, you're like, oh. Yeah. And, uh, you know, and, and this just makes me think of the scriptures where... Uh, you know, Paul's like mentioning pretty directly, like, hey, if you can be single, like that's actually probably better because it frees you up to serve the Lord in the church like a little bit more. But if you're burning with passion, then get married. Right. right. Like uh, and I think that's uh, that uh, mentality like is probably underrepresented. Um, and I'm not not blaming anybody for this, but I think it's just probably uh, a matter of uh again like the unsaid but communicated where uh the medium's the message and so if we're seeing a lot of uh married folks in leadership in the church and they're mm-hmm. the prominent individuals and you know god bless them I, I love like the married folks in leadership in our church um it's it's really not going to display the uh the power and beauty that is mm. in single singleness and serving the lord sure um and having and like a very those, vibrant and full life right i've heard yeah. those stories where in some churches and not from personal experience but especially as a therapist you get to hear lots of people's experiences and so where some churches have dismissed people because of their relational status huh like you can't have this role in our church you can't preach you can't serve until you're married I oh, think interesting. that's like a far side of the spectrum. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've, I've personally never heard that, but that's interesting. You know, I, I think back to uh, when um, when I got to teach about uh, teach at the church um, Sunday, and then I started talking about singleness and stuff. And um, and this is one of the things that I, I, I'm I'm fearful that um, some people are uh, holding on to is. Uh, I don't think single people think they're like living anything less of a full life, right? Mm-hmm. Like, but my perception is, and I could be making up this story. I don't know if this is accurate, but mm. um, maybe like uh, people who are married are are uh, thinking there might be something like they're waiting for the person to get married. Like, there's like, like, are you going to join me in this or what? <laughs> you know, like, kind of like. Well, that's interesting. But that may not be accurate, but. My, my point that I want to make with this is that uh, one of the stories that I told on during that sermon was um, how, like, one Valentine's Day, um, me and my single friends, like, we got together and we, like, had a blast together. And that's the day where I'm supposed to feel crummy about not having a girlfriend mm. or whatever. And it was phenomenal. And there was connection. And here was, like, the very, very clear mm. feeling. It was, like, that has stuck with me since that Valentine's Day a few years ago, mm. which is that um, there is no deficiency of intimacy here. Mm. There is, like, no deficiency of intimacy. Okay. Um, I love this story. Yes. Because it, to me, the solution, I mean, maybe that's a bad word to use, mm-hmm. but contentment 
Hmm. and connection in whatever season you're in. Ah, uh, yeah. Because then you have, you know, the other side of the coin where people are married and they're like, oh, mm-hmm. man, I wish I was single. And that's a reality, <laughs> so true. too. Yeah, it's yeah. a reality. For sure. And so the call is, how do you find contentment where you are at and create connection with the people around you? Yes. Whether yes. it's your wife. Mm-hmm. Or your buddies, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. or your mentors. Yeah, yeah, and um, and here, th- this is leading me to think like the thing that makes singleness hard is when singleness is coupled with loneliness, mm. right? So, uh, and singleness doesn't have to be coupled with loneliness at all. Um, uh, that's kind of like a, a, I don't know, like you know, maybe they could be kissing cousins or something, but like they. They don't have to be connected. Yeah. Right? I really like that. There's yeah. a scene in my life that was very difficult, and I'd gone through a hard breakup and a lot of other changes in life, and people kept expecting me to be lonely. Hmm. I would, like, pray for my loneliness, and I kept having to tell people that. I felt a lot of things in that season. Yeah. But loneliness was never one of them huh. because of the community that surrounded yeah. me. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's so interesting. The sort of... Uh, uh, kind of pre-interpretations that we bring to singleness, hmm. right? Like Where, single people are going to be lonely. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, single people are sad people. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm it's dumb. true. I mean, like I've had, yeah. you know, friends, clients remark about these mm-hmm. ideas of, oh, I don't want to be X, Y age and be single because this image they have in their head of what that single person's life must be like. Oh, yeah. Which is lonely and sad and isolated and purposeless. And I think here's, just to normalize loneliness, everybody gets lonely sometimes. Mm -hmm. Right? Like My sister, who has three kids (laughs) and married, will, like, call and say, like, gosh, I feel so lonely. Yeah, so she's reaching for the connection and, like, all of that, you know? like, And so... I think that's just really valuable to keep in mind is like loneliness is part of what it means to be a human being mm. and we're gonna we're gonna walk through it on a regular basis most likely mm. and uh, and there's connection that's available mm. uh, in other people and certainly by a God who will never leave us or forsake us mm. right so I think that's so important I to, love to remember that huh the idea of emotions being invitations. Okay, okay. And if loneliness is an invitation, mm. if it's an invitation for connection with the people around you, if it's an invitation for connection with God, yes, and an invitation to be honest with yourself. Mm. <laughs> like often we have it. a feeling like, I just want this feeling to go away. Like, yeah. I feel depressed, I want this to go away. But like, what if your depression is an invitation Yes. And asking yourself, oh, like, totally. what is this hard emotion inviting me into? Or even good yes. emotion. I love it. I love it. I love that so much. Thank you. Yes. Because <laughs> uh, because it just allows room for the way that, um, that we're allowed to be human mm. in, with God and with other people. And sometimes we're going to feel guilty and ashamed and lonely and distraught and disappointed. Mm-hmm. And all of it. Uh, can be an invitation, just like an alarm clock, wake, uh, alarm clock waking us up to mm. interaction with God and other people, right? I think this goes full circle because 
it's just the beauty of being honest with where we are as humans and Mm -hmm. that when we recognize where we're at and all the contributing lies and factors that have fed into us and we bring that to the light all of a sudden like the power that can be lifted within like marital status or my emotions like so many things let me just be open and honest and like free people Uh uh-huh i want to be a free person (laughs) and there's I love it. That's so good. What if Anna's your dream freedom. was to be free, regardless mm-hmm. of stage? Oh man, I think that's that's a beautiful dream. And and now here's uh, maybe another layer, which is, um, I love the ownership and willingness, and just to like the free embrace of singleness. And also, I think it takes a certain level and willingness to be resilient and courageous, to if you do hope for marriage, to like. To hold on to it, right? Like, I think of that proverb, um, like, hope deferred makes a heart sick. Mm. A longing fulfilled is the tree of life, right? Like, so there's uh, an opportunity for us to, like, have these hopes that aren't working out. And it's really disappointing and it's yes. heart, heart sickening, yes. right? Yes. And the freedom doesn't take that away. Right. The freedom doesn't mean that we don't walk through struggles and hardship and right. depression and sadness mm-hmm. and that what we want yeah. goes away, but it's like the acceptance of what is. The acceptance of what is, and you know, to quote Barack Obama, the audacity of hope, to stay with it, right? Like to mm. still be willing mm. to, even in the face of my disappointment, like to, to truly grieve and to forgive and do whatever is there. Mm. And also like, man, I'm, I'm still hopeful. Right? Like, what a bold and courageous way to live. Mm. What an empowered way to live. And I think that's that's the sort of thing that that proverb invites us into. Mm. Like, there's a tree of life that is in the longing that is fulfilled. And mm. But if, if we don't have the longing, when it's fulfilled, then we yeah. don't really care. Yeah. And it's probably not that much of so a, a life-giving thing, right? So good. But if we stay close to the longing and stay hopeful for yeah. the fulfillment of it. Yeah then, man, we get to count that blessing. Yeah, your sister taught me something that Hmm. was really valuable to me, and that was the idea of, like, the and, Hmm. and holding multiple things in life, Hmm. and that we want, we're so used to the but. Right. I feel this but that. (laughs) Yes. Rather than, you know, I feel hopeful for this, and disappointed, and content in the moment, and confused why God hasn't, you know, fulfilled this. Yeah, yeah. That so many things can exist in one pot. All simultaneously, yes. Yeah. Oh, it's so good. And and holding those things in conjunction with one another doesn't remove the truthfulness Mm. of any of them, Mm. right? Like, um, yeah, and I like that. I like that a lot. Mm. It feels like a recipe for a good life to put them all in the same pot, mix them up. Yeah. Um, I feel like you and I could talk for a long time on <laughs> totally. this topic. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, especially because I think when we're, we start talking about core dreams or hopes that we have had, start looking at the contributions to them and what's in that. What are the, the sin, wounds, and lies that are connected to it, as well as what are the genuinely good, beautiful, true things that mm-hmm. are, are worth hoping for. And... Uh, and then seeing how that practically plays out and like i don't know this territory of the heart right like yeah it's all 
there, there's a lot. So I, I appreciate your metaphor of, uh, you know, where are we on the map? Yeah. I feel a little bit more aware of where I am on the map <laughs> after having this conversation yeah. with you, Candice. So thank I appreciate you. your yeah. openness. Oh, thanks. Thanks. Yeah. You too. Thank you. <laughs> well, I think, um, you know, we are over time for this episode, but we will, because these conversations are never over, everybody, we're just going to keep talking yeah. it through and keep opening our hearts to it. And with, um, with like an audacity, like a willingness to hope mm. and also to be content with what exists in our yeah. lives at the same time. And that's what I am hoping will be happening off you know, the air is that this is starting conversations. Mm -hmm. And so please feel free to drop us a line on Twitter, Facebook, um, or also on Instagram. We'd love to hear feedback, um, thoughts, and mm -hmm. start bringing this up in your community. Yeah. So, uh, Candace, thanks for talking. Yeah, you too. It's great to chat. Pleasure. We'll talk lots, lots more because yeah, the topics for tuning keep in. coming. Um, thanks, Brad, for editing this episode. Thanks, Brad. We love you. And, uh, yeah, like Candace said, check us out on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. We'll interact. And please share this show with the people that you love. Okay, bye, everybody. Bye.